Today's message is titled The ABCs of Grace, not just because it's the foundations of grace, but uh, because each point is going to start with an A, a B, or a C. That didn't do that well either. Let's just go with it. We're going to be looking at Titus chapter 2 for the scripture. We're going to be looking at verses 11 and 12. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your instruction to us. We thank you that these are life to us. Today, we we ask that you would steer our hearts in a direction that's pleasing to you. Give us the courage to pursue you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start by making the observation that the text that we're looking at starts with the word for. And anytime we see the word therefore, we have to ask, what is it therefore? And there are other words like this. If you see the word but or another conjunction leading off a passage of scripture, we need to make sure that we look back and figure out what is this thought that I'm about to read joining to in the previous text? Because sometimes we'll, we'll take something out of context and, or we'll just assume what it means. So for this, we say, for the grace of God appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness to worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. And we could take that and we could apply whatever meaning we want to this without actually understanding why he's highlighting that this is important. And sometimes the reason why he's highlighting something to be important has significant outcomes on on the application of that scripture. Uh, how do we live this out in our normal in our normal lives? Um, I read I read um, I read most things in my life. Like I read the iTunes license agreement, <laughs> which means I don't read it. I just kind of look for pictures or you know like look for the result that I want. And we need to be careful that we don't approach approach Scripture this way. Um, it's actually one of the reasons that I, I use a paper Bible for my for my study is because I don't take things that I read in electronic form seriously enough, right? I just kind of scan it and I kind of assume that I've got it and I wait for the little button to turn gray so I can click it like you do with the user agreement. But we really shouldn't approach scripture in this way because these words carry life for us. They have correction for us. They have inspiration and uh, sometimes rebuke for us that we need to make sure that we don't overlook, that we don't bypass just because it takes some effort to, to study it on purpose. It's easy to get about the business of what we think we should be doing instead of actually doing what God intends for us to do, and that's the risk of, of glossing, glossing over all of these things. The reality is I could have written um, iTunes into my will already and I wouldn't know it because I haven't paid any attention to what I was agreeing to. I mean, they could have full rights to my car and I would have no idea. But I wonder what rights I've missed out on or what rights I've forfeited 
by not carefully reading the Bible and not paying attention to where things fall in context. There are promises that are available to us that we miss because we don't approach it well. There there are things that we grab onto that God didn't intend for us to have in the first place because we didn't we didn't read it well. There's there's hope that I could have. There's hope available to me that I didn't realize that I could have that's there for the taking if I would just approach it. And I want to talk about that a little bit later from a different perspective. What Paul is doing in this, in this sentence is he's referring with this word for, he's referring back to the previous verses. And you could break it pretty cleanly at chapter, at chapter, at the top, top of chapter two, but Titus is a short book. So you could always just go back to the very beginning of the, the letter to Titus and you could read it and find out what Paul's getting at. And what he's trying to do is trying to make sure that Titus uh, brings some order to this church that is in disorder. And that he assigns the right kind of men and women into leadership in that church so that, that the, the congregation and the people there can grow up healthy. There had been some, some chaotic things happening in that church and they were going to bring some order and it was going to be Titus's job to help bring that order by setting the right people into place and by, by encouraging people of every age demographic and every socioeconomic dem- demographic and every sex, every gender, like to, to well, they're like two, right? So every one, like two, all two of them. And, and so he was talking to him and, he, and he's saying, this is how you guys need to function. And he goes and he gives a lot of instruction about how people should be. And then what he does is after he gives this instruction that they should have, and he says, and this is why. Because the grace of God has appeared and brought salvation. I can't tell you how many times I read that passage wrongly. As a young man that I would read Titus chapter 2 and I'd go through. And I'd be like, this is my responsibility to God so he'll save me. This is, this is what my thoughts were. So when I looked at, when I looked at Titus, I, I would read it this way. As for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded and dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and instead fad Older women are to be likewise, uh, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good. And so train young women to love their husbands. Amen. And children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands. Yes, Lord. That the word of God, I'm just kidding. I've got an awesome wife. Or I wouldn't even be joking that way because it'd be trouble on an anniversary to be joking like that. That's how healthy our marriage is. Likewise, I urge you younger men to be self-controlled. And my wife says, amen. Show yourselves in all respect to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity and and dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned. So an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Even slaves should be submissive to their masters in everything. For they Now, we don't need to get into the slave thing today, but we could talk about what slavery meant then and what Paul's heart was and what the Bible's heart is. But slavery was not the same slavery that we experienced in the United States and all of the abuses that occurred here. It was different in some ways, in some situations. It was far worse and some it was not and many it was not Um, not pilfering but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. So I would read that part of it and I'd be like okay this is my responsibility and if I don't do this 
God will reject me. Has anybody else approached the Bible in this way? 1 Timothy 4.12 says, uh, be an example to the believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, and impurity. And I was like, okay, I need to do this perfectly. And I I would feel like a failure and that God was going to reject me if I failed at any one of those points. And what it resulted in was was an external high sheen, an external gloss on my language. I avoided a lot of the impure things on the outside, but my heart was wayward. It's like, well, I'm not having, I'm not having the inappropriate relations with women. But my heart was far gone. You can abstain from a thing without actually being pure. And I became a master at that. And so I would, I would strive to be good enough for God to accept me. Because I didn't read enough. So I didn't understand that this whole, this whole previous 10 verses was something that God desired to empower because of something he's already dealt with. So let's look at that today. The lesson that I, that I see nested in this and the, the whole reason I talked about the iTunes license agreement is because if, if we just, if we just take these, these two passages that, that I wanted to look at today, Without looking at the other verses, we miss a, we miss a promise. We, we miss that, that God always calls us to do things in response to what he's already done. He's not waiting for us so that he can respond to us. Does that make sense? Do you believe it? Not really. So here... What I'm saying is what God has done in Jesus Christ is amazing. And he did it without you. And we have an opportunity to respond to what he's done in faith. He did it without you. He did it for you. And our responsibility is to respond in faith. Accept it. And to believe it. I had this guy I was ministering to at, at Nova for a period of time. This young man, he was into some things. And I, I think I've told this story before, but it was like, uh, I just, just wanted to, to hear him, talk to him. He was going through some things in life. And I was like, well, let's, let's just talk. And so I met him at Wendy's and I, bought, I tried to buy him a burger. And he's like, no, 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 no. What do I owe you for that? And I'm like, uh, nothing. I bought it already. I'm not a restaurant. You don't pay me. Right? Like the money's already exchanged hands. We're good. And he's like, okay. And then we met again. And he's like, man, I'm really uncomfortable with this. I really just want to give you, give you something for it. Can I do something for you? Can I like carry, you know, can I, can I work this off somehow? And I'm like, dude, it's like five bucks. You know, I understand five bucks is like a thousand dollars to a college student. I get it. But, but it was like, it was like, bro, just, just get over it. And then we met a third time. And it was this third time he, he stayed on it. And I was like, dude, I'm going to stop giving you food. All I want you to do is be thankful. Well, we've got this idea that we have to work for everything that we have. And that's, that's not the way that it, it works with Jesus. All right, so let's, let's look at this. For the grace of God has appeared. The Greek word translated here as appeared is used also in Luke 1, 79. Verse 79. Yeah, Luke 1 is long. 
and Acts 27.20. And in each of these passages, it's used to express the shining sun. The grace of God has appeared as a shining sun, as a beacon of hope and joy, as a message of, of dignity and significance. It appeared to a sin-sick and dying and dark world. And when light appears, there are two responses. There's gratitude for the light or ingratitude for the light. You know, sometimes we're shocked by it and then we're grateful for it. The light that Jesus brought to some was so uncomfortable because it exposed the motivations of hearts that was previously unseen. It was previously hidden. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he shows up as, the, as a sunlight, as a bright light, and he exposes their intent. And people were so uncomfortable being exposed that they rejected him and the kingdom altogether. To others who were desperate for a light to shine saw his light and saw the kingdom for what it was really supposed to be. Found themselves to be grateful and found themselves giving them fully over to Jesus and saying, take me, change me. Transform me. And he didn't just appear on the outside, but he makes this a light that's available to shine from us as well. But that's another message. But the idea here is that, and that I want, I want us to hear today is that God wants to show up in your darkness. The grace of God wants to appear as the sunlight in your circumstances right now. I'm not sure what your circumstances are. I know going into Christmas season, it could just be stress. It could be things at work. It could be painful family things. It could be, it could be relationship issues. You know, I'm not sure what the stress is or what your darkness looks like, but the grace of God wants to appear and he wants to appear brighter than the sun. He wants to be the thing by which you see everything else. When I see things without sunlight, I can't make quite sense of it. I went camping with a group of guys one time and we walked in in the dark. That accent, that's happened more than once. But we walked in in the dark because we just had to go camping and we weren't patient enough to wait till the next day. And so we were like, let's just go and we'll find our spot in the dark. And so we found this trail that we knew about and we just walked in in the dark. And we could only see as far as our headlamps would, would let us see. And so we were all a little bit nervous because we, we set up our campsite and we had no idea where we actually were. We had no idea what was around us. We didn't have a map. And we're like... <laughs> There, we could be under a cliff. We could be right next to a river. I mean, we, could, we, we have no idea what's happening. There could be a bear den here for all we know. But it wasn't until the sun came up that we actually understood where we were. We kept waking up at night, me especially. I'd wake up and I'd shine my light around. Because <laughs> I wasn't sure where I was, so I was really nervous. Because I, I was like, I don't know what's around here. It's crazy. We could be in somebody's backyard. You know, we, were, we, we, we had no idea. We could have walked past posted property. We, we, just, we were just in the woods, we, we hoped. So I poked my head up. I didn't sleep well that night. 
then when the sun came up, it was like, oh, this is where we are. Turned out we weren't far from the parking lot. We... <laughs> We'd taken one path and got off on another path. And it took us a little while to figure that out. But we actually hadn't, we'd walked a long time, but hadn't walked far. But it took the sunlight to give us perspective as to where we were. And some of us, you need perspective to know where you are. And the grace of God wants to appear to you as the sunlight so that you can understand the scenery. I might need that page of notes. Just kidding. No, I'm good. Now, here's the cool thing about Jesus. He doesn't appear because he's got a fear of missing out. You know, sometimes we've got a fear of missing out, so we show up just to be there. God doesn't show up. Jesus doesn't appear like the sunlight just because he's afraid he's going to miss out on what happens today. There's going to be a story that he didn't get to be a part of and he's like, oh man, I should have gone. He doesn't show up. He's also not that guy who just shows up and is like, hey, I didn't bring anything to the potluck. Feed me. But he comes and he brings all of himself. You know, a rich person can go to a poor land and leave all of their valuables behind. Jesus is the valuable thing. So when he comes, he comes with all of his richness. He comes with all of his, all of his worth and all of his value because he is it. A compassionate person can run out of compassion and show up and be compassionless. Right? You get me after a really bad day? I'm in, it's like, you see, you're like, you'd be like, man, he's stressed out. <laughs> and it's like, I thought he was a pastor. He should be more compassionate. And I was like, my compassion's back in the car. It's back on 66 somewhere. <laughs> but when Jesus comes, he, does, he can't leave his compassion behind because he is compassionate. When Jesus shows up, he never shows up without his love because he is love. So when Jesus shines, shows up on the scene, when he appears in his glory as a son, he comes with everything that he is and everything that he has, and he doesn't just withhold it from us for any reason. Does that mean that your electric bill is going to get paid because Jesus showed up? No, not necessarily. But I do know that your electric bill is going to be a lot less bothersome because he showed up. I've shared before how the grace of God appeared to my wife and I to help us get out of debt by teaching us to eat beans and rice. It's not the message you see on TV often. God wants to bless you with beans and rice. Get you out of debt. It's like, how about a, how about a big old paycheck? <laughs> how about the lottery? God, I won't even play the lottery. I'll let you do a miracle. I got a miracle. Stop spending your money on things you can't afford. That's how God walked us out of a significant debt. Did he pay our bills? Yeah, but differently than we, we initially wanted him to. But as we ate beans and rice, check this out. 
God started doing some other stuff. We got some gifts that were outrageous. And this is before I was a pastor, so it's not like, well, you're a pastor. People give you things. No, no, no. This is when I was just, you know, a knucklehead, you know, just serving in the AV booth and, and scrapping to try and figure out how to graduate from school and be married and have a kid and, you know, like all of those things. But he shows up, but the most significant things that he brings to us is his salvation. He doesn't show up just to show up, but he brings salvation. When God shows up, I, I said he shows up like a light and we'll either, we'll either be grateful for it because we wanted to see or ungrateful for it because we were trying to hide something. Um, I want to, I uh, when the grace of God appears, I, I just, sometimes it feels like this. Sometimes it feels like you're going through something, you're in a darkness, you're in a difficult time, and you'll have this thought. Be like, I should go to God with this. Or you'll have the thought, I should go to church. Or you'll have the thought, I should call that friend because they've got faith. And then it's going to, and, and so if, you, if you've had that thought, that's the grace of God appearing and it's real subtle, isn't it? But here's, here's the other trick. The, the next thought that you often have, that I often have, I'll just tell you about my life. God will be like, David, you got to take this to God. Or bring this to me. Followed immediately by my thought, I don't want to. And sometimes all I actually feel is the I don't want to. I missed the invitation to take it to God. And all I feel is, a fe- all, all I recognize is this desire to not go to God. The only reason I know the first one happened is because... It, our emotions are responses to a thing. They're not just out there by themselves. It's a, it's a reflex to something. And so my emotions, my heart has, has had a, re- a reaction to something. And so it must have had a reaction to an invitation to God if I'm not wanting to go to God. So if you're wondering, how does the grace of God appear to me as the sun? It might show up in the feeling of, I don't want to go to God. It's kind of backwards, right? Are, are you tracking with me? So if you're, ever, if you're ever going through something and the response that's in your soul is, no, I don't want to go to God. No, I don't want to ask for prayer. No, I don't want to. You're responding to that subtle voice of the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, come to me. Come to me in prayer. Go to that person. I'm preparing something for you. Go to this. Because you might just feel it in, in the negative instead of hearing it in the positive. JC, do you do that too? Some You have, okay just trying to make sure I, I just felt like somebody's like well god's grace has never appeared to me well maybe you heard it in the negative because you didn't recognize it in the positive positive. and sometimes our emotions can be the realest thing that we're experiencing like more real than the, the what the bible says more real than god more real than than what's actually happening our emotions can seem more real than all of those other things and so we can live our lives in response to our emotions instead of to what is true because our emotions are going to, your, your emotions are about to change. Okay. So he shows up, he brings salvation to all, to all men. And that it's a salvation that is available to, if we would respond in faith. There's this gift out here for us of salvation. If we would respond in faith. 
I used to fight with my friend. He's like, no, we don't have to respond because that would be work. And it's by grace through faith. You can't earn it. I'm like, but you got to receive it. And so lay aside whatever kind of parsing you want to do. If you've grown up in an environment where it's by faith, by grace through faith, it, that's what we believe at Grace Covenant. Salvation comes by grace through faith, but you have to receive it. You've got to lay hold of it. But once you've laid hold of it, I, I know for me, it's not like Jesus has saved me. I know that, but he's bringing salvation to me now. He's working it out in my body. He's working it out in my mind. He's working it out in my soul. And there are thought processes that need the salvation of God deeply. Remember that feeling I was talking about? You hear it only in the negative. When you hear it only in the negative, we need to choose to respond in the positive and position ourselves to receive what God is trying to do. I want you to get in there. I want you to pray. I want you to talk to this person. I don't want to. But I'm going to I'm going to choose the higher thing. I'm going to choose the better thing. I'm going to lay my emotion aside for a moment and do what it is that God is inviting me to do. He brings salvation to all men and he does more. He in, He's instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. We need to be comfortable denying ungodliness in our life. You need to be comfortable. You need to just get real comfortable with saying no to stuff that's ungodly for your own life. It's real easy to be comfortable saying no to what's ungodly in somebody else's life because we don't like other people's ungodly nearly as much as we don't like our ungodly. But we need to deal pretty severely and pretty permanently with our own ungodliness. And we need to start denying it. I've got some, I've got some, some images to help us with this, but we need to deny ungodliness like these high fives are getting denied. We, we, we need to just, we need to deny ungodliness like Tom Brady's getting denied. Look, hold on, stay here, stop right, yeah, like that, uh, wait, stop, right there, right there, you see that face? That's the face of denying ungodliness. He's like, I ain't gonna do that. That's how we should feel about the, the ungodliness in our soul. He's like, uh, never mind. You wanna send ungodliness packing, like, man, I'm not gonna do, up. Oh, nope, no ungodliness here. I'm not gonna high five you ungodliness. Is that all of them? That was fun. So, right? Like when I think about denying ungodliness, I need to have so little regard for ungodliness that I don't mind hurting its feelings. Right? Like ungodliness could hang out here like Tom Brady was, like for the high five, pacing back and forth. You know, sometimes it feels like that. Sometimes it feels like ungodliness follows me all around my day. You know, it's like, just cuss them out. Just cuss them out. Just cuss them out. Come on. I'll do it for you. Come on, cuss them out. You know? So I'm being ungodliness right now. And, you know, ungodliness tracking me down. Go ahead and, yeah, look at that woman. Go ahead and watch her walk down the way. Hey, try and get her attention. Go ahead. Come on. And I got to be okay not giving ungodliness a little bit of this. I need to just watch ungodliness walk all over the sideline. And ungodliness is going to be like, that's fine. I'll get a high five over here. Ungodliness will hook me up. You know, and they're over here high-fiving your boys. And then they're going to come over here. And they're like, come on, all your boys are being with me. We're all together. And I got to be like, no. You with me? Right? Ungodliness is gonna follow you around, ladies. He's gonna, ladies, he's gonna follow you around and be like, hey, you should talk about that lady. 
Hey, you should go ahead and talk about it. Ask it like a prayer request. Go ahead. He'll follow you around, right? Internet issues aren't just for men anymore either. Or, you know, like, a, oh, go ahead and read that story and let your heart get all stirred up. It's okay. It's not fair. It's not, it's not intimacy, right? There are kids in here. You figure it out. And, right? So, like, it's, he's going to follow you around too ungodliness will. And, and we need to make sure that we look at this, high, this hand sticking up here and be like, ungodliness, no, thank you. I like that Eddie Murphy look, that face he gave. That was Eddie Murphy, right? And he, he's looking at it like, nah. Ain't going to happen. He didn't care. I mean, that was staged. But he didn't, he didn't, yeah, look at that face. Ungodliness, you crazy. And ungodliness is like, oh, that was awkward. Because I won't go there again. You with me at all? I yelled a lot and paced back and forth. But we really, that's, how we should feel about ungodliness because it's coming up and it's bringing you false promises. You know, what is, what are all of these false promises? It's, it's like it's comfort. It's peace. That's going to last about as long as a high five only to be left with regret, regret or shame or insecurity. What's cool is if we deny ungodliness enough, we eventually, we die to ungodliness. And then it gets to the point where it feels like ungodliness isn't chasing us around our day anymore. It's not chasing us around the room anymore. It's not chasing us around in our relationships anymore, but we forgot that it was even there. Sometimes ungodliness will tap out to another ungodliness, but I'm thankful for the ones that no longer chase me. The ones I've been delivered from, the ones that are sealed up and dead and gone. You can't even, you can't even get me excited about the idea of pursuing that. Hey, don't you want, don't you want that? No. No, thank you. I'm not interested in that. Because the salvation of God has appeared. The grace of God has appeared. It has instructed me to deny it. And as I deny it, deny it, deny it, deny it, deny it. You eventually die to it. He's going to teach us. If the high five didn't work, I was going to mention Megan Trainor's song. Hey, my name is No. My number is No. What else is No. She's just like, nah, no. Hey, my name is no. My sign is no. Well, we don't believe in that anyway. Right, but we got to just completely unashamed. I'm not interested. No. Some of us just got to practice saying no. It'll hurt a little bit in the beginning, but man, if. The, the reward is so wonderful. He didn't just appear to bring salvation, salvation, teach us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, to avoid a negative consequence and not do bad things. But then he goes beyond that and he coaches us and he instructs, he, is, he instructs us also how to live sensibly, righteously, and godly. 
And being right on the heels of these, in, 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 the, in the context of this letter, he's saying this right after he talked about some things that we should do. And right before he's about to tell them to be ready for every good work. And he's saying, you need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit because I can only tell you some of what you should be doing. I can only tell you some of what you shouldn't be doing. The Holy Spirit is going to be the one. God himself is going to be the one who instructs you all the other details of, of what is appropriate for you to live out this life. If you went by what I say is appropriate and inappropriate, and that was about it, we would be eating a lot of nachos as a congregation (laughs) and exercising compulsively. How stressful would that be? But God is going to give you insight into what it means to follow him and what it looks like to be obedient to him. And and, and there are these markers, these guideposts, these guardrails that we have in scripture where it says, hey, older men, you should be this way. But what that actually looks like in the day-to-day basis is going to be different maybe for JC than it is for, for, for Will. How we actually end up walking this thing out for Marlon or for Anthony or for, or for Zach, you know, what, what's going to happen is it, God's going to give us little kind of unique threads that, that are for us and that maybe other people do or don't do or do it a little bit differently. But the grace of God has appeared to help us understand what that'll be. If we stop doing a bad thing, we haven't yet entered into righteousness. Good to not murder your brother. Good not to murder someone. Great. Good job. Better to love your enemy. Right? You know, there's like denying ungodliness and now we've moved into instruction in godliness. God wants to appear to you as the son. Don't miss it because his voice is soft. Don't miss it because... Your emotions are loud. Respond in faith and and be okay with God teaching you to lay some things aside because he has better that he wants to give you. He wants better that he wants you to walk in. I'll say it that way. Because it'd be easy to be like, oh, okay, so I'm going to you know, get rid of that person and he's going to give me a better person. No. He's going to get rid of one way of doing life and exchange it for a better way of doing life. 